You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressingcrest.org. Well, I want to welcome you today to another episode of Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey. My name is Jacob Hawk, the Young Adults Minister here at Preston Crest Church Christ in North Dallas. And if you are tuning in today for the first time, we are in the middle of a series right now on prayer. With everything going on in our world and in our country and with the craziness of 2020, one thing we know for sure is that there's one thing we can never talk too much about, and that's prayer. In the last two episodes, I've had two uh, good friends of mine on, different preachers from two different states, actually, talk with us a little bit about prayer and their personal prayer habits. Uh, but today, I am excited to have one of my very best friends, Jeff Jenkins. He is the preacher at the Louisville Church in Louisville, Texas, come on today and talk with us about his perceptions of prayer. Uh, Jeff is a wonderful man of God, wonderful preacher, loved by so many people and so I'm just thrilled that he can share a few minutes with us today. Jeff, we are glad to have you today. Thank you, Jacob. I'm honored to be with you. I love your title, Road Talk. That's a great a great uh, title for a podcast. Well, I appreciate that. You know, when I listen to podcasts, it's mainly in the car or uh, when I'm walking somewhere. So I figure most people are listening to it on one road or another. And so we wanted to call it Road Talk for that purpose. Great, great idea. It's good to, good to be with you. I always enjoy my time with you, Jacob. Well, thank you, Jeff. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I know a lot about you, but people listening today may not know you as well, so give us a little well, bit of info. Okay, I, I won't talk too long. I grew up in Alabama. I'm a big uh, uh, Alabama fan uh, of all things Alabama. I preached in uh, Montgomery for 10 years. I preached in Oklahoma City for 10 years. And then 17 years ago, we moved to North Texas, and we've been with the Louisville Church here for 17 years. I have a couple of children, and more importantly, I have three grandchildren. Um, I love to spend time with my family, and I love to preach, and I love to talk about preaching. Well, I can understand that. We are both <clears throat> people who love dearly, uh, having the blessing to teach and preach every week from the Word of God, and I know you have touched countless lives over the years, and uh, you've touched my life in many ways as well. So glad to have you here to talk with us a little bit about prayer. I've asked uh, Jeff to kind of walk with me through the passage of Luke 11, where Jesus provides for his disciples uh, his model prayer that 
through history, we've kind of just referred to as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus never called it that. We call it that. Luke records it in Luke 11. Uh, Matthew records it in his gospel account as well. We're going to be looking at Luke's account of it in Luke chapter 11 today. But, Jeff, before we get into the questions, I'm sure you grew up you know, hearing this prayer. What are just some preliminary thoughts you have about this before we get into the, some of the specific questions? Well, I, I did uh, grow up hearing it a lot. I went to a, a Christian high school, uh, elementary school and high school, and we, we said the Lord's Prayer nearly every day. I uh, remember that. And um, so kind of grew up with it. And as a child, like many children, I didn't think about the words that much. It was something that I had memorized. And I think one of the dangers uh, to me in, in any kind of memorized prayer is that it just becomes kind of rote to us and, we lose the the meaning and the flavor of it. And so Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but have some thoughts about, uh, about should we say the prayer every day? Should we, should it be a prayer that we use? And uh, I'll I'll hold off on that for a few minutes. Okay. All right. So the fact that, so you, you say, what are, what are some preliminary thoughts? The fact that the Lord told his apostles and disciples to pray this prayer ought to be something meaningful to us. If it was if it was important enough for him to tell them to pray that prayer, it ought to have some meaning for us and some impact on our life on a regular basis. Absolutely. And um, I think it's interesting as we begin kind of the passage, Luke chapter 11, everyone I think agrees with that exception that of the four gospel account writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Luke is by far the most detailed in his account of things that happened. I mean, he was a doctor, so he was used to noticing things and being real careful about each detail. He begins by saying one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's pretty vague um, for someone who is so specific in what he writes, but he is very specific about what Jesus said and why this conversation even takes place because one of his disciples, again, we don't know who, but they ask Jesus, um, can you teach us how to do this? Just so as John the, taught his disciples. Now, one, of, one of the reasons, perhaps, that uh, Luke said in a certain place is because Luke wasn't there. Uh, Luke, What Luke wrote for us, based on uh, Luke chapter 1, the first couple of verses is what, what he heard from other people. So he investigated. He got, I believe he spent time with the people who knew Christ and who, who did spend time with Christ. And so while Luke probably wasn't there on that occasion, he probably had talked to some of those people who were with him. And what we know is that Jesus prayed often, and he prayed in many locations right. on a regular basis. And maybe Luke, not knowing the exact place, is thinking just right. somewhere Jesus would pray. Right, right. And at all times of the day, too. We know he liked morning time, and we can tell he liked nighttime as well on different occasions to pray. Um, But the whole reason that this is in here is because one of his disciples, at least in Luke's account, asked the question, how can we do this better? And so Jesus gives them some advice. But whoever this disciple was said, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Why do you think they wanted an example like what John had given his disciples? So that's a a pretty... uh a neat uh, way to say that maybe the, whoever the disciple was who said this had been one of John's disciples. 
And uh, maybe he recalled, the truth is we don't know when John taught his disciples to pray, and we don't know what he taught his disciples to pray. But perhaps the man who asked this question had been a disciple of John, and he had heard John pray, and he had uh, listened to when John, whenever that was, that John did that. And so he's wanting to know uh, not just what John says, but what the master says, right. uh, which, which shows a sign of, of, of growth on their part. Uh, there's a passage in, in Luke 5.33 that uh, the disciples of John, one of them said the disciples of John often fast and offer prayers. The disciples of the Pharisees also do the same, but yours eat and drink. So that was one of, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the opponents of Christ and his disciples who, who made that statement. But they knew that the disciples of John fasted often, and they knew that they prayed often. And so... Uh, as far as I know, there's there's no kind of documents outside of Scripture that, that tell us of when that occurred and, and what was said on that occasion. Yeah, I'd agree with you as well. And that's always intrigued me why, first of all, John, um, obviously referring to John the Baptist, and then secondly, you know, when this took place. But I think one thing we can know for sure is that John the Baptist was pretty good at prayer because you don't usually ask people to teach you how to do things that you don't think are pretty good at it. Um, and so this disciple not only had heard John pray, but has heard Jesus pray. And so he wants Jesus to teach him just like John had kind of set the example. So that was kind of my second question is what does it tell us, um, that Jesus's disciples wanted to learn how to pray from Jesus? What does that tell you? Well, the, the first thing that strikes me about this is that obviously they had heard Jesus pray. Uh, they had been in his presence when he prayed, and they wanted to know, how can I do what he does, maybe? So, so I'm, I've got a couple of friends that are kind of experts in certain fields. Like I've got a, a good friend named Jacob. He's a great golfer. And, uh, I'm, I'm not a golfer. I've, I've played a few rounds of golf. But if I wanted to learn to play golf, I'd call Jacob Hawk. I'd say, Jacob, teach me how to play golf. I, I, I grew up not shooting guns. So if I want to learn how to shoot a gun, I'm going to call our buddy Paul Shiro. Yeah. I'm going to say, teach me how to shoot a gun. Yeah. Because I, I know that, that Paul knows about shooting guns. I know you know about golfing. So if you want to learn something, why not go to somebody who knows something about it? My guess is they had heard Jesus pray, and they were, were blown away, if you will, by his prayers. And so, Lord, teach us to do what you do. Well, I've got an image in my mind now of Paul Shero playing golf. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, somebody would, would uh, hit the golf ball and he would pull out his, his gun and shoot the golf uh-huh. ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Paul's not <laughs> going to listen to this. about sh- shooting a round of golf. Yeah. Well, that, Paul, that would mean something to Paul. Okay, yeah. Oh, Paul. Paul's such a good guy. But, yeah, yeah. you're right. I mean, uh, you know, and think about it in Dallas context, there's probably not a lot of teams right now in the market to hire the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator because they have allowed more points um, in the first six games of the season than any NFL team in history I saw this morning uh, yeah. on ESPN. So, yeah, those guys, they're not the ones you want to learn from um, on how to have a good defense. And Jesus has proved himself to be a credible authority in prayer. And we hear a little bit of this prayer. Um, you know, he keeps it very basic, very brief. 
At other times in Scripture, you know, John 17 is a much longer prayer. But the prayer is, at least according to Luke, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Some of those phrases in there are pretty big phrases, and uh, one that I think causes confusion a lot is that phrase, your kingdom come. What do you think yeah. that phrase means, Jeff? So so let me just go back half a second here about um, there are people that I pray in my and I thought I would, I would like to be able to pray like that person. And I asked, I had an old friend who was a preacher one time, and he, he would pray just like he was having a conversation with God. And I said to him, Bill, I want to pray, learn to pray like you do. And he said, well, you need to learn the Lord like I know him. So I think our relationship with God, our relationship with the Lord, will be the kind of the catalyst for what our prayer life is all about. So that phrase, uh, your kingdom come, um, obviously to them, it meant, um, even though they didn't understand everything about the kingdom, Jesus often talked about the kingdom. They didn't understand, but they had heard that, like from, this is Mark 9, 1, uh, Jesus is Peter and James and John, and he says, he says to them, some of you are stand, who are standing here will not taste of death until you see the kingdom come with power. So they knew the kingdom was going to come, even though they didn't understand everything about the kingdom. And so when they asked the Lord to teach them how to pray, he said, I want you to pray about the kingdom, pray that the kingdom would come. Now, in the New Testament, kingdom sometimes is used as a, a, a synonym for the church, not always, but sometimes, and probably on that occasion it is. He's talking about the fact that the church is going to come into the world. That was the mystery that Paul wrote about in Ephesians 3. That was what God had planned before the foundation of the world. And so they needed to pray that prayer. Somebody says, well, can we say those words today? Well, the, the, we can't say it in exactly the same way because the kingdom is already here. We believe that if, if we believe the kingdom is the church, we believe that the kingdom is already here. Now, here's what we can do. Uh, there are people who need to learn about the kingdom who don't know about the kingdom. There are people who need to become a part of the kingdom who are not a part of the kingdom. So it might be incorrect to, for me to pray about somebody I know who doesn't know Jesus, that the kingdom would become a part of their life. So while we may not say those exact words in the same way, I still believe we can ask the Lord to send the kingdom uh, more widely into the world and more into the lives of individual people that we know. Yeah, those are some great points. And like you said, in the New Testament, um, kingdom is often a metaphor for the church. Sometimes it's not. You've got to put it in context, particularly with the parables, because uh, Jesus will say in some parables and then other passages, like in the book of Romans, will say that those who do such and such or believe such and such cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, anyone can enter the church if they're obedient to the gospel. So it's clear in that context, that's more of a reference to heaven than it is the church. Um, and I agree with you hundred percent. Kingdom is here. We are kingdom workers. There's kingdom work to do. Um, some manuscripts do include that second phrase, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there is the mindset of when we pray that what we're also praying is God. Now that your kingdom is here, help us to make, 
earth as much like heaven as we possibly can, doing things the way we, you would have us to do them. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I believe, Jacob, that's a part of that prayer. We ought to pray every single day that the world and that the church will be more like heaven. Uh, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of people talk about church, and they want us to make church more like the world. They want us to look more like the world. They want us to be culturally relevant. They want us to be. Uh, they want people to be able to to feel good about coming to church, much like they would feel good about doing something else in the world. And I'm not saying people shouldn't feel good about coming to church, but instead of saying, "Lord, make the church more like the world," we ought to be saying, "Lord, make the church more like heaven." Mm-hmm. And to me, when people worship, when they attend worship of the kingdom, people of the church, that, that ought to be something that's different from everything else in the world. That ought to be kind of a, a kind of like a, a respite from the world. There's so much junk going on in our, our world. We're, we're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with social unrest. We're dealing with, with election and one of the greatest blessings in life to me is getting away from all of that and walking into the house of God and singing praises to God and spending time in prayer with people of God and, and uh, uh, communing together with Jesus and getting out of all of the mess that we're in in the world. Yeah, amen. Amen to that. Um, so he says, give us each day our daily bread. What What is the significance of of not just bread, but daily bread. Well, one of one of the significant factors there is we ought to pray every day. Uh, you know, we should we, we shouldn't just assume that um, that we're going to have every physical blessing that we want in life. God gives us every good gift and every perfect gift. James says, and not only does He give us the spiritual blessings that Paul talked about in Ephesians one three, but He also gives us physical blessings. I think that's part of James one. 17. And so um, we, we should, Jesus wants us to ask the Father for the things that we need in our life. And if we need daily bread, we should ask him every day. Not only should we ask him, but we should thank him when, he, when we receive that bread. And also it's a reminder to me that, that I couldn't have daily bread if it wasn't for God. Mm. You know, I may be, a guy could be the, the most genius person in the world and the greatest worker in the world, but all of that comes from God. And so the reminder that I ask God for daily bread is a reminder that I need daily bread and I can't get it by myself. I can't get all of the blessings I need in my life by myself. Absolutely. And I uh, I read somewhere recently, actually, another thought on this, that when Jesus mentions the daily bread, it's also not only the mindset that you don't have bread without God, but just pray pray for what you need. Don't sit here and uh, pray for God to provide you a tremendous amount of wealth or God to provide you better benefits or God to give you a raise. You know, just pray, God, give me enough just for today so I can focus on the day at hand, and tomorrow I'll ask you again just for today so I can focus on the day at hand. And that's kind of an imagery back to, you know, when the children of Israel were wandering, they would go and they would gather food just for that day. Uh, with the exception of when it was about to be the Sabbath, they would gather the double portions. So they wouldn't have to do it on the Sabbath. But getting just what you need for that time and focusing on right now, not always down the road. 
Yeah, yeah, and again, that's a, that's another great thought. That uh, um, and what what we may need today, we may not need tomorrow. We're not going to need the same thing every day in our life. But there are some there are some uh, things that we need every day in our life, and we ought to pray about those. I think absolutely, absolutely. So he closes the prayer, at least in Luke's account, by saying, uh, "Lord, lead us not into temptation." So I've had people ask me this question. I think I know the right answer to it, but you're Jeff Jenkins, and you know more than more than all. So, um, if, if Scripture tells us that God does not lead us into temptation, then why does Jesus pray, "God lead us not into temptation"? Well, first of all, if, if I would like to pray, Lord, lead me not into the temptation to buy what Jacob just said. <laughs> that would be my prayer for that. So. So, um, so God does not lead us into temptation. Uh, he allows us, uh, if we choose to go into temptation, uh, he, he won't even, he won't allow us to be tempted above what we're able. First Corinthians 10, 13 says, but, um, but technically to say, Lord, don't lead me into temptation. My thought is there's a deeper concept and that is we ought to pray that the Lord won't allow us to get into temptation that he won't allow us to fall into temptation, that we will we will continually think about him as temptations arise uh, so that we'll stay away from temptation. And there, I don't think there's anything at all wrong with me asking God for that. Right. But whatever, whatever temp, every, every one of us are tempted in some way. Every person's temptation is different. And I know what my temptations are, and the Lord knows, and Satan knows, uh, so I need to ask the Lord to help me deal with the, those temptations. And some struggles are, are greater than other struggles. And so I need to I need to be aware of what those are, and I need to talk to the Lord regularly about those. Right. And, Jeff, the way I understand it may be wrong, but the way I understand it is temptation and then the word testing are the same word. And you've got to, you know, James does this in James chapter 1. He differentiates between which one he's talking about, kind of like the word kingdom there. We've got to put it in context that though God does not tempt us, James 1.13, God does test us on occasion. And so that's also, I think, in this context, of course, God's not going to uh, tempt us, but he does allow us to be tested. Yeah, there, there's a there's kind of a fine line in, in our mindset between God allowing us to be tempted and God leading us into temptation. And so I don't believe that God leads us into temptation. God isn't going to make somebody get in a position where they would sin, but he allows us to, and that's part of our free will that he makes available to us. Right, right. Okay, so we kind of touched on this at the beginning, but do you personally – uh, you grew up in Alabama uh, in a Christian school, having this done every day. Um, but do you still pray the Lord's Prayer personally? So uh, I, I do not pray the Lord's Prayer um, as a memorized prayer, but I certainly often pray the concepts that are in the prayer. I, I don't think, I would never tell somebody that it would be wrong for them to pray that prayer exactly like it is. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't personally do that because, uh, as I said earlier, I think there's some danger in in praying anything that becomes memorized to the point that we're just doing it over and over and over again because we might lose the meaning behind it. Sure. But I do pray. I pray about every concept that's in the prayer. While I may not pray, Lord, um, may your kingdom come, 
uh, I do pray, Lord, help other people in the world who haven't found your kingdom to find it. Absolutely. So all the concepts are part of our daily prayer, I think. Absolutely. Um, so I loved your quote at the beginning when you said you would heard this one preacher pray, and you said, I want to learn to pray like you pray, and he said you need to learn to know the Lord the way that I know the Lord. Um what what do you think Jesus wants most out of our personal prayer life? I think a couple of things come to my mind here. I think he wants uh, he wants us to understand relationship that we're in a relationship with him, that we're in a relationship with God, that God is our Father, that we can come to His throne anytime we want to. Hebrews four, a day or night, we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens. And so uh, I, I find myself at times talking to God, and I find myself at times talking to Jesus, and it's not where I necessarily bow my head and close my eyes and, and a formulated prayer, but it's, it's a part of, uh, I believe, a part of building relationship. And so he wants, he wants us to know that we're in a relationship with him and that he can be trusted for anything that's going on in our life and that we can talk to him at any time. And if we could, and, and then the other thing is, he wants us to know that we are not uh, smart enough or wise enough or good enough to get through this world on our own. Um, we, we have to depend on him, and nobody who refuses to depend on him is going to get through life without some real, real struggles uh, mm-hmm. on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to end, and we'll talk about this question for several minutes because I really, really wanted you to touch on this because I, I, you know, I'm not trying to build you up here, but it's it's true. Um, I've watched you and listened to you and have known you for a long time. I know without a shadow of a doubt you have a very strong and healthy prayer life. So for someone who's wanting to develop that, how how do you how do you do it? How do you stay focused? How do you form good habits? Just go with that wherever you want to go with it. So, a couple of things I've learned about a healthy prayer life is that I've got to make up my mind that I'm going to accept whatever um, whatever answer the Lord gives me in the prayer. Um, what happens to a lot of people is. They, they start a relationship with the Lord. They become children of God. They, they, they worship God. They spend time in prayer. And then something comes along in their life that beats them up. And they ask God to, to take it away from them. Or they ask God to heal somebody who's sick. Or they ask God to, to fix their marriage. Or they ask God to fix their children. And the first time it doesn't, their prayer isn't answered the way they want it answered, they start blaming God. They turn their back on God. They say, I don't believe God answers prayers. I don't want to have anything to do with God. And if that's the approach you take, it won't be long in your life till something's going to happen that's going to cause you to, to start feeling that way. So somehow we've got to convince ourselves that we will accept whatever the Lord decides. Um, we don't pray because we we believe God is going to do uh, uh, exactly what we want him to do when we want him to do it. I believe God answers every prayer. 
I don't believe he answers every prayer in the time we may want it to be answered. But you know, and a lot of other people know, that my wife was sick with cancer uh, really, well, for about 25 years off and on. But the last two years, she, she was really sick. And so I prayed every single day, multiple times, that the Lord would heal her and that the Lord would ha- let her get well. Well, she didn't get well. Now, I believe the Lord healed her. I don't believe she has cancer anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm, I believe she's in a place of, of uh, unimaginable joy and perfect bliss and never another pain mm-hmm. uh, or sorrow. But the Lord didn't answer the question the way I wanted him to answer it. Right. And so when Jesus said, pray, um, when Jesus prayed in Mark 14, Father, not my will, but your will be done in all things. That's the hard prayer right there. Um, because when we pray by nature, we want our will. We, we're praying to God because there's something that we want God to do, or we want God to, to fix, or we want God to give us something. And if it doesn't work out that way, if my mindset is, God needed to do what I told him to do, then I'm going to have struggles. But if I can get in my mind and my heart somehow that God is going to do what is best in the big scheme of things, even though I can't understand that right now, um, that God is is doing something that I don't understand, uh, and I will accept whatever he gives me. And so somewhere along the line, I made up my mind that I was going to pray and talk to God about everything I needed to talk to him about, I was going to ask him about specific things that I wanted in my life, but I was going to be satisfied with whatever he decided. And I don't say this to, to, I'm not trying to boast about that, but the point is that's where we've got to get if we're going to have this ongoing relationship. Well, anyone who knows you and people who don't know you already by listening to you know you would never say that for a boastful reason. Um, So many of us walked with you through that, that terrible tragedy and, uh, you know, obviously still grieving that tragedy. And I think I think you're you're dead on the uh <laughs> the gold standard benchmark characteristic for someone who has a healthy prayer life is someone like you said who can say, God, here's here's what I want and you know what I want, but this is not about what I want. This is about what you will and your will be done, not mine. Um, and, and I think you would probably readily admit that takes years to truly be able to say that. Now you can say that in theory, but to truly believe it, I mean, that, that's not something you do from day one. Yeah, I I believe that. I believe that takes, um, and again, it's a part of the relationship. The more, the more I learn to trust God, the more I have stronger faith that, um, the more I come to the realization that life isn't always going to be fair and it's not always going to be exactly what we want. I think, and I don't think that happens overnight. I think it happens over the course of years, but um, sometimes we have to, we have to work through the hard days of not getting what we want and being angry about it. Uh, as long as we can come back and, and, and be okay, We'll get, we'll get, it'll get easier. It'll get better, I think. Uh, that relationship. It's all about that relationship to me. Let me ask just a basic, it's not as spiritual of a question, but from a matter of just staying focused. If someone is a little bit ADD or they have a hard time staying on task, how do you stay focused in prayer? 
Well, so, you know, Jesus, the Bible says that on a number of occasions that he went off to a solitary place. He, he got by himself. Um, and Jesus said, you know, he said on one occasion in the Sermon on the Mount, don't be like the, the, uh, the Pharisees who love to be seen and heard of men. Mm-hmm. Go in a closet and pray. I don't think that Jesus meant we've got to go in a closet and pray. But I do think he meant if that's what it takes for you to have a serious conversation with God, and that's the only way it can happen, you do whatever it takes. So we need, we need some solitude in our life. Um, Jesus was a very busy individual. He lived an extremely busy life. He had people around him all the time. And so he had to have times where he would get off by himself and talk to the Father. And the way I look at that is, you've, I know you've heard this before, but if he needed to do that, then I sure need to do that. So, mm-hmm. so if, I, if I'm a person who, who has difficulty focusing, I've got to figure out how I can get away from things that distract me and keep my focus uh, on the Lord um, for some period of time, right? whatever time that is. You know, I've always thought, too, this is kind of a weak illustration. I'll admit that before I say it. Now, people probably tune me out now that I've admitted that. But, um, you know, prayer is a little bit more like a TiVo or Netflix or something like that than it is live television. If you kind of have a spaced out moment, it's okay to click pause for a minute and to come back and start off right where you were. Uh, You know, God's not going anywhere and God's not going to move on to somebody else just because you couldn't get your thoughts together. And that's always encouraged me when I'm having a hard time focusing that I can start this prayer, and if I'm just uh, I'm not real coherent at the moment, I can always come back in a few minutes or in an hour or so and, and finish and start right where I was, um, which is comforting sure. to me. Comforting to yeah. me. So, th- so think about it this way. So again, it's about, re- it's about relationship, right? Because, look, um, you know, you and I don't see each other every day. We don't see each other every week mm-hmm. but we have a friendship and a relationship over the past several years and every time we sit down together whether it's at chick-fil-a or or you know some restaurant every time we see each other we just start talking and we may be talking about something that we talked about the last time we were together mm-hmm. that's what relationship is about and and if i have that kind of relationship with the lord where where i feel comfortable talking to him like you said, there may be a pause in there, and it may be the next day. Uh, I've gone to sleep at night praying and uh, thought, man, I hope my sermons aren't that boring, but I, <laughs> I'm going to sleep at night praying and wake up the next morning and, and continue my prayer. And I think the Lord understands that we're human like that. So since you mentioned we don't see each other every day or every week, but we just pick up talking uh, this is all done by audio, so nobody can see you right now. But one thing I have noticed, every time I see Jeff Jenkins, he has on a sports coat every single time. I'm looking at him right now through Google Meets, and he's wearing a sports coat. So I've got to ask you, do you wear a sports coat to the gym, Jeff? <laughs> well, well, some people would say if you look at me, you, you wouldn't ask that because they know I don't go to the gym. <laughs> so so, so the, the truth is, I just got back from the hospital. Okay. Was running behind, so I didn't even take my jacket off. You so. you probably sleep in a sports coat too. That's okay. That's yeah, right. That, yeah. that is yeah. the uh, Jeff Jenkins we all know and love. Okay. Uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, your time today, and we wish you the very best in your ministry and for the Louisville Church. And thank you for uh, literally the thousands of lives you've you've touched over the years. 
I want to close today by closing the same way. Thank you for being my friend and letting me be on this podcast with you. Uh Well, we want to close today by reminding you that along this road of life, there will be road work along the way. But here at Road Talk, we want to help you get ready by navigating your journey and keep your eyes on heaven. Focus on what's most important. And we will talk to you next time.